Hello and welcome to the Points Brew podcast, a special edition podcast. I am joined by a very special guest indeed, drummer extraordinaire and beer fan, uh, drummer for Voyager in Australia, but also probably equally or a bigger beer fan, uh, Ashley Dudecourt. Ash, thank you very much for joining me. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on. This is exciting. No, it's you, you're more than welcome. You're very welcome. As, as exciting as for you, it's probably even more exciting for me. And I know my, uh, I know my dad's very, very jealous of me having this chat with you this morning. As uh, in our emails we uh, we exchanged, I came to see you guys in Manchester not long since, and I uh, I came with my dad, yeah. and he loves you guys, and he's the one that got me into listening to you guys. So, needless to say, he's. Uh, is a bit envious this morning <laughs> well shout out to dad <laughs> yeah yeah definitely yeah well he doesn't always listen to my podcasts but i can i can guarantee that he'll be listening to this one uh That's definitely awesome. <laughs> yeah yeah but ash thank you for uh for joining again I, I really appreciate it but uh the time zones we've we've played with this is an early morning recording for me so needless <laughs> say it's uh, just 20 past nine so i'm not on the beer but it's uh, 20 past five in Australia, so you are on the beer. So uh, before we get in, uh, what what are you drinking? Well, I was uh, I was doing my best to find something local. I really wanted to do a shout out to Bright Tank Brewery because they did make a beer for Voyager uh, at oh, the start of the year, but um, couldn't get any from where I am because they do fairly small batches and they pasteurize everything. Uh, sorry, they don't pasteurize their beers, so they don't travel well. Right. So there was nothing in my local. So instead, I have a a beer from a local brewery called Campus. It's nice. a, a coconut Kolsch. Oh. which I'd never heard of before. No, no, um, no. Yeah. yeah, not had a coconut colch before. Beers with no. coconut in them, but not a colch. Very interesting. You normally think it would go in a stout or something, but, you know, it's mm. summer months in Australia, so we need the you know the more easy drinking beers, and it's very coconutty. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say for you guys, you'll want something a bit crisp and a bit clean, because I imagine it's mm-hmm. uh, quite warm over there, which is, uh, which is the complete opposite here, which is part of the relaxed get-up for me this morning. I uh, sit recording with my, uh, my UD as we're just in the throes of a cold snap. <laughs> I think it's about minus two outside at the minute, so... Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, so it's not ideal. It's not ideal. Negative yeah. temperatures aren't a thing where I'm no. from. No, no. Well, this is something I've always thought about for you guys, is that you guys celebrate Christmas on the beach, which I always think that would be a very different experience and something hopefully one day I'll get to experience. But yeah, whereas we're all uh, wrapped up and wearing several layers, you guys are, you know, without wanting to sound too uh, sort of stereotypical, chucking stuff on the barbie and having having Christmas on the beach, aren't you? So, Pretty much, yeah. I think this year I'm heading to my mum's and we're just having a pool party. There you go. What more could you want? What more could Not you much. want? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so right, saying are you, are you guys, the, the band collective from Perth, are you, are you in Perth as well, Ash? Are you, are you there as well? Yeah, I'm, mm. at, at the moment, I'm a couple of hours out of Perth in a town called Bunbury. It's probably the second biggest town after Perth. I mm-hmm. sort of have half my week based here and half my week based in Perth, sort of traveling around all the time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Perth adjacent. Yeah, you're there or thereabouts anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which that's something else as well for, for for you guys, you know, for us being a, a much, much, much smaller country, for us just around the mm. corner would be, you know, 10, 15 minutes, maybe an hour away. But for you guys, yeah. somewhere's just around the corner, it's like two, three hours away, <laughs> maybe. It's a, oh, yeah, it's not far. Yeah, it's not far. Yeah. If you want to go anywhere different, yeah, like I, I often say this to people when, you know, we're in Europe and stuff, it's like, you know, if you drive in Europe for an hour, you can easily go to another country. Mm. Uh, in Perth, you can quite literally still be in Perth if you drive for an hour. Yeah. It spreads out so much. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I think there's a, like, you kind of forget how big Australia is when you think about it, because it's, it's just, it's huge. It's absolutely yeah. massive. But yeah, like you say, to be 
which I suppose is a great thing about when, when you get out and about and, and touring, which which um, we'll come on to obviously exploring and doing different things and obviously trying different beers, which we'll uh, mm-hmm. we'll come on to. <laughs> but we'll uh, we'll start with first things first, Ash, because um, probably a lot of people um, listening to this will be expecting more beer, which they will get beer. But do you want to just give us a brief rundown of yourself, your drumming career and your career with Voyager and how it came to be? Yeah, well, um, I... I inexplicably for some reason I decided that I wanted to be a drummer when I was about 13 14 um, having failed at guitar and keyboard and bass just none of it made sense to me um, and then I don't I have no idea why but I decided I want drums and my parents to their credit got me a, a kit and somehow managed to maintain their sanity and took to that for some reason it just mm. it clicked with me yeah um, so you know uh, 20 what is it now that was 1998 so yeah like 24 years later I find myself with a, a nice little career in playing drums and you know I spent a lot of time playing for Voyager but I've got blues bands rock bands electro bands cover bands um yeah it's it, it I don't know music always made sense to me it's great playing music um definitely sort of tend towards the heavier side of things mm. um outside of drums I'm a graphic designer um oh, wow. and did for a short period of time work for a brewery as well <laughs> oh, up it is. um but uh yeah that's how I came to uh, no Voyager, actually. Um, in some of my earlier bands, I used to play on the same lineups as them. And then from their third album onwards, I was their graphic designer for their mm-hmm. albums. Um, and then at one point, their drummer couldn't make a show and they knew that I played drums. So they're like, oh, do you want to jump on for this mm-hmm. show? And um, after that, that drummer left a few months after. So <laughs> I was the, the next logical choice because I'd already learned half the material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was the start of my Voyager career. And um, that first show was my first ever international show. Mm. Uh, with you know that show with Voyager and ever since yeah we've just been writing albums touring the world doing our thing the rest is history so they say pretty much yeah history that keeps being made well it, it's interesting how life takes you in different directions I suppose isn't it like you're saying if you haven't got the drum kit when you were younger then doing graphic design and working for a brewery and then from graphic design to drumming and, and touring the world it's it's weird how you, your life can sort of almost change in, a, in an instant oh, were, you, were, you, were you with them just randomly on tour as the graphic designer then were you just traveling with them or what was the score no, there no never just just in perth um mm. yeah just uh, i was a um, i used to teach graphic design at a university and i've known the people in voyager for quite some time mm. uh just, you know we, it's a quite a small scene as mm. you can imagine like the heavy scene in perth so you, you get mm. to know everyone and uh yeah just they just hit me up they knew i was a designer doing freelance stuff they needed someone to do their album so yeah uh simone and danny got in touch with me and took it from there yeah it's, yeah. it's weird isn't it it's crazy it's crazy so I, it's, oh, I, was, I must say like um you're absolutely right about how different things can be if my parents never got me a drum kit i'd be financially so much better off now <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I suppose that in a way is is the misconception i suppose isn't it that if, if you're in a band or an artist or a musician and all these things, then, well, that's it. You're set, aren't you? But then, like you say, I'm guessing, do you still keep your hand in graphic design as well as doing your drumming and with your other yeah. projects as well, just to keep, I suppose, keep you busy and keep keep ticking over, really? Yeah, that's it. I mean, graphic design's my day job. That's, mm. you know, how I make the money that helps fund most of the other activities. And uh, it's very helpful for being a musician as well because, um, you know, you can imagine how much graphic design... <laughs> a band needs just to yeah, keep yeah. all their stuff out there. And uh, yeah, if we had to pay for someone every single time, that would <laughs> make it a very difficult exercise. Yeah. Um, so it's really handy to have that talent in the band. Mm, yeah, definitely. As, mu- as <clears> much as <throat> you can keep in house as possible, the better, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. It's, it's, 
it's anything on anything on hand and and whatever you need. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great, definitely. Just about every business benefits from a graphic designer. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You, you need it from everything, don't you? The ground up, even if it's just a, a logo, social media, a banner for a website or something. It's it might be something very simple, but then to like you say, continuous work thereafter yeah. for for social media and what have you. It's it just it, every everyone needs it. You know, even if from a podcast point of view in some respects we we need it oh, yeah. for podcast art and things you know what i mean so absolutely it's, you know it's, everyone needs it these days so yeah especially with the constant content creation we need these days well exactly exactly <laughs> it's you, you've just got to keep keep pushing stuff and keep going and, and keep growing haven't you so it's all about getting the brand and especially for the band as well just keeping pushing and getting to new audiences and, and and new listeners you've just got to keep pushing it as far as you as far as you possibly can and be as uh as creative as possible, aren't you? I suppose. Absolutely. Which I, I suppose, in a way, which I was I was going to come on to it at some point, but I'm going to come on to it now because it's it's hung up behind you. Um, speaking <laughs> of speaking of creativity, you guys obviously answered <laughs> the age old question of of can a shark play drums recently? Which I, I'd love to know. Where where did that idea come from? Did was the idea first? Did you just happen to have a shark costume and then you think I, I've got to play drums in that? What, what's the story there? Um, uh, look, there's no. I wish I had a better story, but the song's called Submarine. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but, you know, we took a very little, literal approach to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I think originally it was just going to centre around the diver character being a fish out of water. But um, mm. when we found that really crap diver costume and saw just what other costumes there were, all of a sudden it was like, oh, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> we can dress Scott up as a mermaid. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I really wanted to be a shark. I thought it was great. And I didn't expect them to get the hammerhead one, but it was perfect for those... <laughs> Yeah, eyes yeah. flopping around the place in the clip. So it was very effective when you're giving it, you know, going full full energy on the drums. Like you say, it was very effective yeah. with, the, with the head just flailing around and and what have you. Yeah, it's, it looked really good, really good. I leave, I leave this up here now because I'm actually sitting at um at my partner's desk and she works from home and has a lot of work meetings during the day, so she gets to explain this. <laughs> <laughs> to every meeting she has. <laughs> why, why is there a shark behind you? Oh, God, not again. Just like, no. It's better to leave unanswered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, that's it for, for us like that. It's probably not a long story, but for her, it probably is a much longer story because, she, like you said, yeah. she won't know the, the intricacies and the ins and outs of it. So, but yeah, it's um, so something I was going to ask you, Ash, about Voyage. And obviously, like you say, the the scene in Perth for, for music and, and things, which there's similarities between the music and the beer scene, is do you find more success outside of the local area of Perth and have you found more success America, Europe, UK or is it sort of your, your core listener base is is in your home hometown? What what's the what's the split of the demographic been? Uh, for Voyager we have a really good hometown following. Like when mm. we you know we put on shows fairly infrequently in Perth um compared to some other bands uh partially because you know organization is tricky and, and it's yeah. nice to kind of have more of a special event rather than kind of wear out our welcome i suppose mm-hmm. um but i think definitely it feels like sort of abroad we've got a really dedicated and strong fan base uh, mm. like you say uh, markets like the us and europe in particular uh have been really supportive and they come out to shows and we just yeah we, we seem to find a, a real comfortable and natural home over there um it's, it's interesting, I think, the kind of music we do, sort of heavy progressive music, um, you know, when you think about that, it does tend to mean more of like a European or an American thing. Like you mm. think about metal and you kind of think of those markets. Australia has a really strong progressive music scene. Like it's quite eclectic and it's fairly high in terms of quality. So we do it really well over here. 
but in terms of like where the homes tend to be, it feels like it's more the year of the US market. Mm, yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we get really good responses and, and we really enjoy yeah, getting out of our country because mm. it is so far away from everything. It's nice to just see yeah. different places. And the logistics of, of going out and playing shows, it's so much easier overseas compared to Australia. Mm. But like you were saying before, it's, it's such a massive country. You can't really drive to the next town unless you've got a couple of days handy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, you know, Perth to Adelaide, which is probably the nearest capital city, is a two-day drive. Yeah. And there's just desert in between. So <laughs> it's hard to make worth your while. But, you know, you go to Europe or the States and there's just there's towns everywhere, you know, a couple of hours between them. So you can just build a nice, you can jump in a bus and just do a nice little run for a whole month or yeah, however yeah. long you want to do it. You've always got shows no matter where you go. So it's a... Uh, less exhausting and, and so much more fun and diverse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. And taking sort of just my local area where I am, because I'm just outside Leeds, you know, I saw you in Manchester, Ooh. but even looking at sort of Leeds, Manchester, Sheffield, etc. you know, you were within those catchment areas of three, four big major cities that you're probably playing within, you know, within an hour, you know, you, you're not even, yeah. you're not even an hour away. So it's, it is completely different. Like you're saying, I imagine logistics are a little bit easier in that sense, but then obviously now because of, God love it, Brexit, I imagine that's probably going to throw a bit of a, an extra added layer of complication in should you, um, should you come back at some point in the future. It's, it's, made, the, uh, it's made the process of uh, including UK in the tour run, like it's, it's added a few more steps. Mm. Yeah, they're not unmanageable steps, but it's definitely less smooth than mm. how it used to be, as yeah. we discovered on our last run. Um, but it's quite interesting as well, like, you know, without wanting to do too much disservice to Australia, like it there's not really that much of a cultural shift when you go from like Western Australia to, you know, New South Wales or mm. Queensland, you know, just, it all feels Australian, but you know, like the, when we came to the UK last, we did uh, Bristol, Manchester and London, and you feel like you're in different places. Yeah. Like this, it's just as, as much stronger sort of, I don't know, like cultural differences between all the places. And you find that like across the States and Europe as well. Um, and that's really intriguing and exciting and just kind of fun as a musician yeah. as well to kind of, yeah. Yeah, well, this See is how it. everyone's doing it. Yeah, well, that's it. And it's yeah, again taking this country as an example, and other countries are the same with different accents and heritage, and obviously people <laughs> being very passionate about where they come from. But especially Absolutely. around here, you can, you know, within Yorkshire itself, you know, you go from east, south, west, to north, each part of Yorkshire has a different accent and a different culture. Yeah. It's, it's, it's completely you know bizarre it's like i'm i'm from west yorkshire from leeds my, my wife she's from from doncaster south yorkshire and we've even got different accents and different <laughs> nuances do you know what i mean and that's you know yeah 20, 20 minutes half an hour drive away from each other you know from mm. where we were born and born and raised but yeah it's and i suppose that's part like you say part of the excitement of going to these oh yeah new places and visiting all these exciting new places that you might might never have been to before so do, do you base the tour on on that then do you try and go to places that you've been previously and try and mix it in with new places that you might not have been as well do you try and do a bit of both or that's uh that's the strategy sort of mm. from here on out like uh, most tours we've done i think almost all of them europe and the uk have been support runs mm. so we don't really have much say over the the routing of the tour you just kind of mm. go along with it I play where you're told to play yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but the next time we come back hopefully we'll be as uh, headliners Mm-hmm. So we get to sort of choose and, and you're absolutely right. Yeah, you choose. You try and strike a balance between like new markets and existing ones. Like you know, it's, it's always great to go back to places where you've been more received. That always yeah. feels really nice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. There's also a lot of, you know, fun and exploring the unknown and, you know, making inroads into places you've never been. You know, you want to mm-hmm. get the word out there to as many people as possible. So, yeah. you know, you can't, can't always play it safe. No, 
you got to run that risk and play in a new place where you might get, you know, 10 people coming to your show, but it's always fun. doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be amazing. That if there were just 10 people, that'd be a great gig. Just been, that's what not, not, not for you guys, obviously not great for you for ticket sales, but as a, as a, as a watcher and a, a viewer, it'd be quite, uh, quite interesting, I suppose. But one of the, one of the best, well, I don't know if it's the best show we ever played, but one of the shows we talk about the most is one where we played. And I think the maximum capacity was about 25, 30 people. Wow. Um, at this town called Breslov in the Czech Republic or Czechia as it's now called. And yeah, that was, we talk about it to this day. It was a fantastic mm. show, you know, <laughs> very hospitable people. And mm. yeah, we had a great time. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. They, they are fun, the small shows. Like, I, it doesn't matter what's going on. As soon as you're on stage and playing songs that you love playing, it's, it's always fun. Yeah, it kind of goes Especially out. to people who want to hear them. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is it. I suppose like it's better to play in those 30 people that all are there for you guys rather than playing to a bigger audience that, you know, might be just milling around and not necessarily paying much attention and what have you. So, yeah, I suppose it's... Sub- complete subjective as to the reception, I suppose, isn't it, of what the audience yeah. is doing and how they're, how they're getting involved with it, really. And I'm a bit lucky as well as a drummer. I mean, drums are fun no matter what you're doing, so I'd play to an empty room, I don't care. I'm always having a good time. <laughs> yeah. I suppose, really, as a drummer, do you, you don't really get much chance to see what's going on you, when you get into your flow, I suppose, or you just kind of, you're in your, in yeah, your, a lot your of the zone time, and element? I've often got a lot of hair in front of my face so I can't see much, or I've got a singer <laughs> directly in front of me yeah. looking at Danny's butt the whole time, or, or there's a smoke machine going off. So, yeah, a lot of the time I can't see it. It's like, was it a good show? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you um, see any photos of the drummer is usually a symbol or a singer in front of the drummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just all part of the fun. But if you're happy being at the back, mate, you're just doing your thing, just drumming away, then happy days, eh? Very much so, yeah. 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 <laughs> just stick a reason me at, I sit at yeah, the back. Yeah, stick me at back, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll we'll move on to um, on to beer, Ash. That's the, 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 the main reason why you uh, got signed up for this podcast. This is so exciting. I get to talk about beer without boring everyone around me. This is great. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, I suppose everyone else is like, oh, he's off again, just like us. Yep. But we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that when, when you're on tour and things about getting to sort of nerd out and geek out on uh, on on the beer scene but um mm-hmm. obviously australia's adapting and changing and evolving with its beer scene and its beer market obviously historically a lot like the uk heavily influenced by lager a lot of lager drinkers and 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 still to this day a lot of dra- uh, lager drinking but craft beer is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger in australia as as australia and new zealand are becoming more renowned for their hop growing uh, qualities and the excellent hops that that can be produced so where did you first become involved with craft beer then in terms of the australian craft beer did your beer history begin in australia or did it become did you get hooked on beer outside of australia and then you came back and then discovered there was this sort of growing market what's what's the journey that you've had there i got i think my gateway it was in australia but mm. uh it was um I can't remember the circumstances around it, but I grabbed a Weinstefan Hefeweissbier from mm-hmm. the Bottle um, And because up to that, you know, my what I was drinking was whatever I could get the cheapest six pack of. Yep. Um, but I didn't want to get the Australian stuff because, you know, the, this, you know, it's all part of the cultural cringe. Whatever we do here is crap and they do it better somewhere else. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's <laughs> yeah. always the way we think about it. Um, so some of the, a lot of the you know, macro Australian beers, all the lagers at the time, they're not fantastically made or, they're all right, but they're quite harsh, like any you know big brewery in mm. any country, I guess. So I was always looking for you know like the um, Hollandia or the Orangi Boom or the 
know, mm. all the like Dutch or German imports that weren't that much better. Mm. Um, but I don't know for one reason. Though, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, and for yeah. some reason as well, like they were actually quite cheap compared to mm. Australian beers a lot of the time here as well. Um, there's massive taxes on beer in Australia as well. Mm. Uh, so it does, does make it a bit expensive. But for some reason, I picked up a, a hefty vice and I was like, what, what is this? Like, yeah. <laughs> this doesn't taste like beer I've had before. Um, so that just kind of, you know, kind of knocked me for six. I was like, oh, wow, this can be a, something completely different. Mm. Um, and, you know, there was a, a, a store in Perth at the time, which still kind of exists in some fashion, just called the International Beer Shop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you start, you know, we started looking at going there every now and then, grabbing a couple of extra things, trying them out and go, wow, there's, you know, lots of awesome different stuff here. And then not too long after that, um, there's a, a brewery in Perth uh, called Feral Brewery one of the big ones here. Um, and they used to have a, a brewery uh, in the Swan Valley, which is probably about 20 minutes away from where I was living at the time. And they're, they're really one of the sort of forerunners of craft beer, With them and Nail in Western Australia, and even to some extent in Australia as well, they're some of the first breweries to sort of get the whole craft thing going. Yeah. Um, and so you could go to Feral Brewery in the Swan Valley and you could get like a, you know, you could get an American style idea, you could get a Belgian, with beer, you could uh, get a, a smoked porter. Mm. Do you know what I mean? These are all things that I'd never heard of before. Um, and they they did them and they, they're mainstays of their range. They still make them to this day and they're really well-made, fantastic beers. And that, that was the start, you know, like that was one of the first places in the Swan Valley or in Perth really where you could get a good craft beer. And now you go to the same place and there's probably 20 breweries around Feral mm. that you can take a five minute drive or a 15 minute walk to get to all yeah. doing different crazy things so yeah it's just kind of developed from there you know try and trying something different at a bottle for god knows what reason impulse <laughs> well yeah just, just buy it just try and it then, because yeah yeah and then just chasing chasing that rabbit down the hole and seeing where it goes well this is it and i think that's how how it all starts for everybody really is you find this one thing that there's certainly how i got into it is you find this one beer and like oh my god this is amazing and then it's yeah you're just constantly chasing everything then it's like well i've tried this but i want to try that and i'll try that and the the great thing is about craft beer is that there's so many different avenues you can take it like you say you you, you had a hefeweizen to start with and then going on to mm. other like like what you're drinking now the the coconut colch <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's you know there's, there's something for everybody out there it's you know my wife she's a, a gin drinker typically or cider drinker typically mm. but she really likes sour beers as do i um you know and it's just if you, you plonk somebody in front of a bit i don't like beer you will find something along the spectrum that somebody who Absolutely. says i'm not a beer drinker they will enjoy it and it, that's yeah. the the great thing about it is that there is just something out there for everybody and you know the the breweries just have complete carte blanche to just do whatever they want and just make whatever they want and it's yeah it's crazy but it's brilliant at the same time that's that's totally my mission. Every time someone says to me, "I don't like beer," I'm like, "Nah, you just mm. haven't found your beer yet." There's one out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. And every time someone says it, we always find it. Mm. Well, this is it. You, you'll find something. It's like, say, if it's from cider, you'll find a fruity beer or a sour beer. You know, even like a, even not even a sour beer, but like a German or a Belgian cherry beer, like a yeah. Creek or something. It's you know, there'll be something there. There's something, and and it's even just getting the people who just drink mainstream lager to have a you know, have a Pilsner, you know, have a Hellas, yep. have, you know, whatever it might be, just, to, well, this is a lager, but it actually mm. tastes of something. It actually yes. has hops in it, you know, it's not just yeah. got one, <laughs> one token hop in it just to say it's got hops in it, it actually has flavour, mm. the malt actually tastes of something. Um, yeah, it's... It, it's That was always a big thing 
I came to learn about like a lot of the bigger Australian beers is uh, one of the things they do very often is they, they will add sugar to make it drier. Right. So there's like lots of rice and a fair amount, I think sometimes a fair amount of corn and then sugar mm. just to get the alcohol up without adding too much body because, you know, with the hotter climate, it is very nice to have like a super cold, basic Australian draft, like in the 40 degree weather. Yeah. A nice frosty point of that I've come to learn is very, very good. <laughs> you accept it for yeah. what it is. Do you know, it, it is actually really good in the right mm. circumstance. In a context, that's yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, in, you know, anything, I think, um, yeah, every, every country has a really good sort of big beer because you have to be there to have it there. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like it makes sense when you go there, but like you mm. go to, you know, a lot of us from WA will go to Bali and Indonesia a lot. And their big beer is Bintang, mm. which I think is essentially just a clone of Heineken, but mm. it's fantastic over there. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get it in big, you know, like, I think it's like 750 mil bottles, mm. ice cold. And it's, yeah. there's nothing better. Yeah. Well, everyone says the same about like things like Stella, you know, over here, you know, we yeah. Stella, you know, we brew our own version over here, obviously trying to clone the recipe from from Belgium. But people say if you go over there and drink it over there, completely different. You know what I mean? It's completely and I, like you say, I think beer drinking is subjective anyway, you know, even drinking it from mm. the, the the root sort, you know, the actual main yes. source of where it where it comes from. But even just like like you say, now you, you go drink a beer on beach in 40 degree weather you're probably going to like it more than what I'd probably drink it sat home in minus two degrees weather. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Just because it's all that, you know, subjective surrounding issues and matters that add into it. You know, what glass is it in? What weather is it? Yeah. Where are you? Who are you with? You know, what's happened today? Have you come from work? Have you got a day off and all these other yeah. things? It's just totally. completely, yeah. completely subjective. But yeah, it's, it all uh, adds to the experience, but it's like, it's like, you know, the age old, you know, one of the things we constantly make fun of, you know, the British about is like your warm beer. Yeah. Mm. But then you go to the UK and you have a cask and it's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. I get it. Like, yeah. yeah. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, this is it. And and I think that it, in our country now, especially in this weather, cask beer comes into its own because obviously cellar temperature drops and obviously the, mm. the, the, you know, the ambient temperature drops. So cask beer does come into its own a little bit more during winter for me because, like you say, I don't like drinking cask beer when it's, mild you know when it when you know yeah. it's lukewarm it's like what what's point you know it's just and i get that beer does carry more flavor when it's a little bit warmer i kind of understand that but for me it's that you lose that refreshment aspect of it so i'd rather have it cooler and then it warms up gradually over time if you've got any left then you can obviously try yeah. it at different different stages but now when you get in it and it's coming out of the cell that's you know pretty cold, cold. um yeah. yeah yeah then it then it's um it's it's a lot nicer in my opinion it's a lot nicer anyway i, I think i think that might be where i made my mistake last tour um mm. i think uh, in bristol somewhere i was at a, a pub before a show and i i thought oh, i'll give it a go and it was a pretty warm day and they had mm. like a new england ipa on cask i'm like i'll give it a go <laughs> why not and i was like mm. uh, man, this didn't quite work <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> it wasn't the right thing to have <laughs> no 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 when it when it's warm outside it generally will be warm into it if the cellar's mm. not cooled obviously and it doesn't have a yeah a refrigerant in it but obviously it's just one of them things that sometimes they do and sometimes just naturally cooled but yeah it's some some beers will work obviously you know stouts and things you probably say generally you'd have a little bit warmer on cask anyway um but yeah, yeah. something like a new england i'd definitely want uh, a bit colder <laughs> a bit crisper but i'd like to have a new yes. england on cask don't get me wrong i like to try here's the beers on cask because obviously a lot of it's historically in this country and probably in mm. australia and the wider populace you know, cask beer and beer in general has to be clear. It can't be hazy, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, getting a hazy beer on cask, give it a go. Why not? Just, yeah. yeah. Just see what it's there all were parts of. There were parts that worked and parts that didn't. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like well, the body it. and the mouthfeel were great. And the, the weird kind of, like that sort of 
wooden sourness you get from the cast didn't quite work mm. against yeah, the hops. Yeah. Like it kind of, yeah, it was a hard balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, it's all part of it, isn't it? Some beers work, some beers try. don't, but you've got to, yeah. you've just got to try it and tick a box. That's the, uh, that's, that's the whole aim of the game, mate. So what, what brewery did you work for then, Ash, I suppose, is the uh, big question after you made that revelation. And were you doing graphic design for them as part of your uh, part of your job? Uh, so the brewery was called Other Side Brewery. Okay. Um, and uh, no, I was actually a sales rep. Right, okay. <laughs> this was, yeah, was, um, yeah, I didn't get to stay there too long, unfortunately. I was only there for about five or six months. And then I had mm. to leave to sort of tend to a family business for a while. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, it's a great brewery. It's gone from strength to strength ever since um they were sort of heavily uh integrated with the wa music scene as well mm-hmm. which is sort of how they came on the radar because they uh basically they they were originally uh, a bunch of um festival promoters they put on festivals in wa okay and they were, their whole thing was they were talking about wouldn't it be great to have a beer for mm. festivals I'm like oh why don't we just make it yeah yeah Eventually, that turned into starting a brewery. Yeah. Mm, well, that's it, I suppose. <laughs> Just do it yourself. It's what we were saying earlier. If you can do it yeah. yourself, then it's. Yeah. I, I, I don't suppose it makes it easier making beer, making your own beer, but I suppose it's part of the fun, isn't it? Making, uh, <clears throat> doing it yourself and making making your own. I think it's lots of fun. I definitely don't think it's easier. Mm, no, <laughs> I saw no, what it no. takes to start up your own brewery. Holy smokes. <laughs> mm. Yeah. For what you're saying, if the, uh, if the tax, you know, the taxation and everything's quite, quite stringent and quite heavy as well, I imagine that adds, uh, a couple of layers of complication as well so everything's a tiny bit exp- more expensive in australia mm, yeah it's one of the me. joys of our geographical yeah. <laughs> isolation <laughs> but what, what what's the what's the whole i suppose local scene to you now but as an overall in in australia has craft beer sort of become this thing that seems to be everywhere wherever you go now because i know certainly in the uk for the last sort of 10 to 12 years it's become this you know growing and growing i think obviously now we're in tougher times with everything getting more expensive mm. and breweries sadly are closing but the whole market in general seems to stick you know keep expanding and people are still opening is is the same in australia yeah. or is it because obviously the geographical challenges does it seem to be mm. taking a little bit longer to have that impact over there it yeah uh, it seems to be going from strength to strength here um i remember when covid started and i was talking to you know some of the people i met while i was you know doing sales for a brewery and we were all fretting that we were going to lose breweries over the course of the lockdowns and everything because how do you yeah. how do you keep that running? But um, didn't happen at all. I can't I can't think off the top of my head of any breweries that really closed and we've opened more. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The the scene is is great at the moment. Like in, I remember hearing it's only something like ten percent of the market share for beer in Australia, but it's it's everywhere. Mm. Um, and you know the the bigger you know brewery conglomerates like you know it was at Asahi and Kiranen line and all that and Carlton United breweries they've they've seen the writing on the wall and mm. I think what's really great as a drinker now is um you know they've started taking that into account and a lot of these bigger brands have <clears throat> I think it's it's very similar in the UK like how big breweries tend to sort of take over all the taps at all the pubs and things you know with yeah. their contracts and everything but now they're starting to absorb some of the craft beer brands and mm-hmm. now you can go out and even if it's to a big more mainstream place you can still reliably get a, a very well-made craft beer Mm. So like that um, feral that I was talking about before uh, were bought out by I think Coca-Cola Amateur at some point. Right, okay. Um, but that, because of the partnerships and everything, that meant that they then went into every pub where you could get um, you know, like a Carlton beer. Mm. So now I didn't know where I'd go, I could drink a feral. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. was, that was really good. <laughs> for, me. Yeah. 
everyone. Um, but yeah, it's funny you mentioned before as well, like talking about, you know, sort of getting people into craft beer with sours. And I think that's exactly what happened, at least in my experience in WA. Um, there was a brewery in Margaret River called Colonial Brewery, and they bought out what they called their Southwest Sour. And that, that exploded, uh, you know, particularly with um, you know, like uh, women. You know, mm. you know, every, everyone drinks it, but that was like the gateway for a lot of uh, women to get into craft beer as well. And now, mm. you know, everyone's doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, this is it. So, it's just as yeah. soon as something becomes sort of, oh, my God, that seems to be, you know, doing really well or exploding or being really popular, then it's like everyone just jumps on board, don't they? And just, yeah, we need to do this. We need to do this and, and what have you. But it's interesting, like you say there, that the big breweries are, are taking over the smaller ones, which has, you know, ha been happening here a lot recently in the UK. But then conversely, Lion had, um, they had bought a brewery called Magic Rock over here and mm -hmm. a brewery called Forpio, but they've now, let them go they they've 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 sold them off because they weren't right. as as successful as what they thought they were because they it had the opposite effect of well they're now here particularly in the uk that if a brewery gets taken over by a bigger brewery it seems to switch everybody off do you know what i mean it seems hmm. to have the opposite effect of oh well it's you know the the availability will be better and i can get it at a pub and etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. but in this country in particular, it seems to be now that the big guys got involved, you know, we're, we're going to not drink their beer anymore. I'm going to support the, the small guy, you know, I'm going to going to go drink the small independent stuff where I can, uh, where I can, where I can't get yeah. it anywhere else, basically. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's the long and short of it. So it's interesting that, that people sort of have a little bit of a, I'm sure a lot of people do think that way um, in Australia, but then it's like you say, to get it, I suppose the, the geographic, you know, the geography plays a part in it, doesn't it? Really, of that if you're sort of more spread out, I suppose it changes yeah. it a bit from here, doesn't it? A little bit. It, it was very 50 50. Um, you know, like when, when, you know, for example, Feral got bought by Coke, mm. like the response, you know, amongst the, you know, the community, the Facebook community at least, was sort of pretty evenly split of, uh, you know, sellouts and no, this is great. Like it's good to see people successful. Mm. And, you know, the, I think the people who aren't a part of that community or, you know, not, not obsessed with craft beer had mm. that option all of a sudden and they try it because you know the, the fact of it is it becomes cheaper to get on tap and you know everyone gives it a try i don't know i mm. I, I totally understand you know the impulse to like support the smaller breweries and things like that oh, yeah. i think that's a really good thing but i, I think you know, anything that gets more people drinking craft beer will only mm. benefit everyone but yeah whether you still call it craft or not, I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a, back and forth. That, that's yeah, <laughs> that's that's a completely different argument entirely, and probably a, a completely separate podcast as well because it's just that's yes, a, that's <laughs> a very long one too, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, muddy, muddy waters indeed. But yeah, it's like for me, um, I I got into you know drinking this stuff from drinking Brewdog, yeah. and that that to me is still the whole issues with James Watt aside and everything that's, you know, that's come to light recently aside, I think still provide a great gateway to people that don't know, then obviously they can sort of, you know, be, you know, educated or learn about it further yeah. down the line. But, you know, if somebody goes into Tesco and sees a brew dog, well, it's better that they pick that up than they're picking a Heineken up or a Stella or a Foster's or whatever. At least they're in this world then, do you know what I mean? At least they're in the, the craft yeah. beer world and they could, their journey can start there. And then they'd go from brew dog to drinking. Well, I'll, here, I'll drink a, a Northern Monk, a North, a Cloudwater, yeah. a Day, or whomever. Um, but everyone's got to start somewhere. Oh. You know, that's that's the thing. Everyone's <laughs> got to start somewhere, and everyone's journey is different. So, so glad you brought up Cloudwater. Uh, not the last tour, but the tour before it. I got to go to their brew house. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, wow! Amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's so they got that warehouse 
in Manchester, yeah? Yep, yeah, yeah. Just an that, just, yeah. just an industrial unit in the practically yeah. middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were we were playing in a venue called Satan's Hollow. Um, and it's one of my things when I know I've got a lot of time, I'll just go to Google and go brewery and mm. just see what's nearby. Yeah. We had plenty of time. So I just had a little wander to Cloudwater, seeing all these massive barrels and it, it was great. <laughs> it was mm. just there by myself. But you know, like we get very few of those over here. I've had a mm. few cloudwater beers over here in Perth and just like being able to get there and go, oh my God, everything's here. <laughs> yeah. That was fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's it. And and I suppose like like we said earlier, is that you get to chat about beer today rather than sort of boring the the other bandmates with the, <laughs> to what to what them to them will be nonsense about beer. But obviously you get to do this as part of, you know, the you know, one of your day jobs, I suppose, as, as, as a drummer for, for Voyager and, and whomever, is that you get to travel out and see these places and go to these places and, and try these different beers. Do you, I, I'm guessing that you are quite constrained by time in a lot of instances, but do you purposely try and make time as much as possible to, I suppose, to go do other sort of, you know, travel and touristy bits as well, but do you try and squeeze as much beer in as you can, thinking, well, I'll maximise, you know, if I'm in Belgium, I'll go try and do something, or I'm in the UK or a particular state in America. Do you try and yeah. fit as much in as possible where possible? Absolutely, yeah. Um, d- depending on the tour, oftentimes there is quite a lot of waiting around. Mm. Um, and sometimes, depending where you are, that's not enough time to go and do the touristy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is enough time to you know, try and find, if not a brewery, like, you know, the, the craft beer pub that's, you know, maybe like a 15-minute walk away mm. that has a whole bunch of the local stuff on tap and you get to try it. Like, that's, yeah, that, that's kind of one of my standard operating procedures on tour. <laughs> <laughs> Great fun to go out and check out. <laughs> yeah. I, I found myself in a very, well, I think the bands found themselves in a very fortunate position because uh, what that's ended up doing is, um, you know, whenever we all need to go somewhere to eat, they'll come to me and go, where's the nearest brewery? Mm. Because it seems to be breweries always have the best food. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot well, of, terms of street want. food. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone gets their burgers or their tacos or whatever. I get a nice mm. beer and a nice meal, so it's worked out pretty well. Everyone else in Voyager gets to reap the rewards of my obsession. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's got to come in handy at some point, hasn't it? For absolutely for everyone else's benefit. But yeah, like even like you say, just even the you know Manchester and surrounding areas there that that there's so there's so many breweries in Manchester, and then if it, when you know, if you ever come over to Leeds and or if you played in Leeds, I'm not sure, but again, so many around in Leeds mm. and Sheffield and all, you know, that you're probably looking, you know, Leeds, especially in the city centre and the outlying sort of fringes, you know, probably 20, 30 breweries or so. Wow. Do you know what I mean? That's so exciting. You, oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So if there's ever, you know, if you, you come to Leeds and you find yourself with a couple of days layover, you'd have a you'd have a field day around there. Do you know what I mean? You'd have a, <laughs> a cracking trip. Yeah, it'd be. It'd oh, be that great. sounds incredible. Yeah, but it's, well, that, you know. You know what else is good as well? Like, I remember uh, one US tour, I just, I think I mentioned on our band Facebook, I said, oh, you know, we're, we're coming, like, you know, tell, tell me what your favourite beer is. I'm mm-hmm. going around the country. I want to I try some stuff. And, you know, everyone, everyone's very supportive of that sort of thing. Like, I, that tour, every second show, someone's coming up with, like, a six-pack of, like, their favourite beers mm-hmm. from local. And she's going, take these, take these on the bus. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, you're not going to say no to that, are you? Yeah. Nice. I've tried a lot of stuff just from people going, no, you've got to, you've got to try this. It's awesome. Mm. Have this beer. That was, yeah, it's great. Well, ne- next time you come over, then I know what, what we need to do, don't we? I think so. Bring, bring, yeah. Fetch some beer for you. Yeah, here you go, mate. Have some of that. Yeah, yeah. Give, Become give my supplier and tool guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing, man. 
That'd be amazing. Do it just a just a UK wide uh, brewery tour. Just trail uh, around. It's on my bucket list at some point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I'm I'm dreaming about that now. Sorry, <laughs> you've lost me now. That's it now. Yeah, yeah, that, that works for me. Yeah, and likewise, if you ever get to Perth, we might have yeah. to drive a bit further, but we can mm. do it. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's yeah, it's a little bit more uh, unre we're not unreasonable, but a bit more of a long term plan. That I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll be coming to Australia anytime soon. As much as I'd love to, not that I don't want to, I do want to, but yeah, there's a a lot going on in the world, isn't there, at the minute? So yeah, it might be. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> might be a bit more of a longer term plan, but yeah, following you no. guys wherever wherever you go in UK and doing brewery tours and pubs and what have you. Know, that's mm. yeah, well, last last tour we were there. I, I think I had two days. We had two days off mm. in the UK actually. Um, so yeah, it was I didn't get a huge amount of time because we were sort of stuck in the centre of London or mm. near the O2, and um, it's quite a quite a big journey out to go and find anything. Mm. Um, but yeah, one or two things. It's kind of nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with London's, but I mean, if if you near Beermans, either Beermans or Beer Mile, that's that's pretty okay. much where most of the action seems to. Seems I didn't to even know this but... was a thing. The Beer Mile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah, they just ended up at a brew dog like any other tourist. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's worse places to it's go, mate. Good. But yeah, 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 there's worse places to be. But yeah, the the Beer Mile. There's, I can't, I couldn't even put hope to name, but Cloudwater have got a tap room in London um which is on there yeah yeah so next next time you're there you know next time you're in london and manchester you'll be able to get it yep um, <laughs> brewery called colonel there okay. in london they're, they're really good some really sort of um classic american style um you know west coast style beers you know just proper classic american stuff um but yeah london there's there's same again pubs and and breweries there's there's all sorts there so yeah, oh, wasted opportunity i think <laughs> missed it's, opportunity yeah well, it's one of them things though isn't it you know you'll have so much going on already do you know what i mean it's you know we're traveling and you know getting set up and making sure everything's right and because it's obviously it's it's work isn't it end of the day do you know what i mean it, it, it probably it is yeah you know, so a lot of oh, you've got to have your priorities yeah well this is it this is it but you know you've got to still get set up and be ready and That's all right. these lovely things and our looking at your Instagram the other day and then saying about you saying about the hardships of not really being able to get to a laundromat somewhere or wash, wash your clothes after each gig and just sort of just toughing it out and what have you and it's like <laughs> you know, it's, there are hardships and there are you know there's it's not just all glitz and glamour of yeah we'll just go to wherever and play some music you know there's some you know I, I imagine it does get pretty grim at times do you know what? there's 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 no glamour mm. <laughs> there's definitely glitz but there's no glamour about the whole yeah, thing yeah. um yeah, look, it is work. Um, mm. I I personally find it's it's very much offset by just how fun it all is. Mm. I I don't even notice the work. Uh, we're very lucky in Voyager. We're all pretty much best friends. Mm. Um, so it's yeah, as long as we're doing it together, we're always having a really good time. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the best part about it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, it, it's hard to look sometimes, and you're right. You do have your bad days, like you know when you're. Uh, when you're approaching the UK border and realise that you forgot to put someone on your certificate of sponsorship, so you've got to sort that out really quickly. And <laughs> otherwise you're not, you're not getting on the ferry and yeah, yeah. all those sorts of things. Yeah. <laughs> it, it'd be too easy if you'd have everything done and sorted, wouldn't it? it, it it'd just be far too easy if you'd everything had been done and dusted. And it's just plain sailing, just, yep, yeah, we're all yeah. right. And then it's like, there's got to be something somewhere, surely, of crap, I forgot this, or we've yeah. left something behind. Or There's, there's no stories if everything goes right. Mm. Yeah, well, that's it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and the beer tastes slightly better as well when you burnt yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like you say, I suppose it's the same for any any job. And you know, I'm I'm lucky that I um I work in a in a 
what we call a bottle shop, what you call a bottle. I um, I work in one here, and it's the same for that. It, it's not really work. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like work, Aye. but it is. Yeah. But if you're enjoying it, then it doesn't feel like it. Then it's compared to my last job in you know in, in an office job. Then it's like, well, this is just plain sailing. I'm I'm selling beer and talking to people at beer to people every day, and it's like, well, that's there's there's worse ways to earn a living. Do you know what I mean? There's there's worse yeah. ways to earn a living than that. Sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah don't get me wrong. There's the same with us. You know, there's times where we're doing events and festivals and you know you're doing 12 14 hour days but it's just yeah. you know it is what it is you just you just get on with it and that's offset by the days where there's bugger all else going on do you know what i mean so you get the yeah. you know the downtime as well as the being uh, rushed off your feet so where where's where's the best that you've been then ash i'll, I'll sort of i'll put put it on you i'll sort of make you commit and sort of pin you pin <laughs> close to it, your flag to the mast it, up to up to date where's the best that you've been whilst whilst being on tour for, for oh, beer geez uh that's hard <laughs> um look G- germany is definitely up there in general i still have a really strong love for a really well-made german beer mm-hmm. like it's just there's there's nothing crazy yeah um but i you know talking to a lot of people in the craft beer scene i feel like everyone's kind of gone on that journey where you go from like you get into craft beer you want to try everything under the sun. You yep. want to try all the crazy stuff. And then you get to the point where it's like, what I want is just like a really good lager mm-hmm. or like a really good pale ale. You know, like not, not like, ugh, not like it's nothing fancy, but you just know it's from a small brewery. It's been done with love and care mm-hmm. and it's, it's really well made. And, and I find a lot of places in Germany, like if you just want that one thing, you just want like a lager, you just want a, you know, a good Schwarz beer or a Dunkel or something. Mm. They're almost always pretty good, but it, but nothing you do in Germany can really satiate your hot cravings as well. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, this is um, the thing though. So they've done it for many, many years and obviously they've got their purity laws, which you know, obviously dictate mm. what they can and can't do. But for that reason, yes. you know that, well, Germans have been making excellent lagers for the last two, 300 years, however long it's been. Well, you know, mm. you're going to get a bloody good lager, you know, and that's, yeah. there's nothing so I think, um, wrong with that. Like another place, and I wouldn't necessarily say it's the best, but it was one of my fondest memories, I think, was uh, when it was actually the first show I did with Voyager. It was like, yeah, when I wasn't actually in the band yet, and I was just filling mm. in, and we were in New York City. Right. Um, and every, everyone else uh, wanted to go and see the Empire State Building, and I did mm. want to go as well. Um, but I just bought some razors for my face, which I know is hard to believe now. <laughs> but um, So I couldn't actually get up. The building because i had razors on me i couldn't Brilliant. get through security yeah. um so i'm like oh you guys have fun i was wandering around and I, I walked across the road and found um i think it was like a dogfish head brew house mm-hmm. something like that um but yeah i walked in there and they had 40 beers on tap mm-hmm. um and i think i made my way through about 28 of them um <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it wasn't like you know sometimes those places can be a bit dodgy because if you've got everything on tap they don't clear enough so they get old or the lines mm-hmm. aren't being cleaned or anything like that but everything was really good quality and i just you know I, everyone joined me i was talking to you know just people at the bar beforehand and then everyone came after empire state and we spent the night there mm. and i remember that being a really good time yeah, you know yeah. i mean so and i guess that's a lot of it with beer as well you know it's the company you keep yeah um, yeah and i'll chuck another one in the mix as well uh one of my other bands um we tour france or we did tour france on the regular before covid and there was this little pub uh in a town called lorient or Lorient mm-hmm. or something in france in normandy and um, i think it's in normandy uh, just on, on the docks, like at mm-hmm. some random like sailors pub. Um, but they, they had a beer on tap uh, that's brewed by just, I think the guy explained it to me, it's just some dude down the road. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just like homebrew on tap. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure the name translated to Heart of the Wolf or something like that. Mm. <laughs> um, but it was like this hoppy sour. And I'm convinced to this day that it wasn't meant to be sour. I think it was just infected or yeah, just, what it was doing. off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was great. It tasted delicious. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was only the one time we were there that I could get it, but I still think mm. about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just this random accidental beer. Mm. <laughs> I suppose that's, I suppose that's a beauty of it though, in some respects, is that you find yourself at these places at the, you know, the right place at the right time and you end up having these beers that you'll, you'll never have again. And, you know, nobody mm. will ever see again, but like that, they'll leave a lasting impression on you for for whatever reason you know whether it's Absolutely. you know it's a hoppy sour and it's like mm, no it's, it's, this has just gone wrong you know this, is, this has just gone yeah. off but it's you know it's just all these little things that you can you know little adventure and journeys that you end up going on and like you say just like it's made by some guy just right you know yeah. It, it, yeah. one man in a shed in somewhere in a pub and it's like okay you've, you've you've got to try that surely but absolutely yeah yeah for me new york is definitely up there as well to, to go yeah try, cool there's, okay. there's so many again breweries in you know in around new york you know you've got like to be equilibrium other half etc just uh so many yeah. that are producing such great stuff you know the crazy sours the really thick smoothie sours and then they're just yeah. really hazy new england's and things and just yeah that that's the but i mean I, I, I don't know if you heard of it but on the other coast in um, california Pliny the elder by russian river um, oh, I've heard it. I've always yeah, wanted yeah. to try. Yeah, if you uh, like, did you go? I, I saw. Did you guys do a clone of that? Uh, we, we've tried. We tried to brew a clone. Me and Aaron, the other lad who yeah. does the podcast, where it didn't work out overly successfully. Um, but we we tried to make one. Yes, we made a made a nice West Coast IPA. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't it wasn't quite pliny. But you know, it was yeah. never it was never going to be because you know the guys over there have been making it for 20, 30 years and been doing it pretty well. But yeah, it's um, that's that's like impossible to get. Mm. In Australia, like mm. occasionally the specialist bottle shops will get a couple of bottles in, but they're sold before they hit the shelves. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the same here. It's, you know, you yeah. do see them coming over in dribs and drabs, but the cost of it as well is quite, yeah. quite hefty. Um, but they've, they've kind right. of sh- shut down a lot of Sorry. routes out now. No, it's all right. They've, they've shut down a lot of routes out now um, because obviously their American licensing laws and things are still intact mm. from um, prohibition. So a lot of stuff can't, can't, it's, can't go from state to state and things. Right. There's so many archaic and historic laws in America that are just crazy, absolutely crazy. That's ridiculous. Um, Has Brexit had any effect on what you can and can't get, or has that kind of been left untouched? It has. It, I mean, the the big thing at the minute is the the economy in terms of the strength of the dollar to the pound, or the you know yeah. how how weak the pound is in particular to the dollar in any way, because um, obviously you're just getting so much less yeah. value for money now, but um my, my brother he was importing some american beers just as little side projects but he stopped doing it now because he said it's just not worth it you know the, the pound's wow. so weak it's just huh. it's just not worth it covid had an impact with um chipping um yeah and brexit has a little bit because a lot of people were doing a lot more air freight and pallets on you know commercial airlines and stuff so the kind of price went a bit high it doesn't seem to be as high anymore now but yeah there's all these things have just sort of played against import and export really and it's not you know it's not ideal but you know that's just mm. just part and parcel of being part of a fickle fickle nation yeah. that thinks yeah yeah we can be independent and great again and then it's like oh actually no it's not that great is it now mm. yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah that's uh 
again, that's a separate podcast entirely. You know, a, a Brexit special, that's a, yeah. a completely, completely different matter. But yeah, the Pliny certainly here is is very, very hard to get hold of. Fortunately, I've had it, but I'd love to go drink it there. I'd love to go amazing. to the, yeah. their brew house in Windsor and drink it there. I mean, I mean, you won't drink it for very long, so, you know, it is 8, 8.2. Pliny, you know, so it is, you know, it is a hefty, oh, yeah. <laughs> a hefty number. So you won't be sat drinking all day there. Or if you did it, it'd be, uh, it'd be very messy. I'm just so keen. Like anything like super like piney and dank and resinous. Mm. I just, I really, I really want to try. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you, I mean, if you went to dogfish, you'll have probably got plenty of that there because they notoriously make quite a fair bit of uh, classic West Coast and piney and bitter and, mm. and, and dank stuff as well. So yeah, that's definitely yeah. A, a bucket list as well. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Definitely. But yeah, I suppose that's the one of the joys of what you what you do. You know, like you say, you might not have uh, financially much to show for it, but you get to see these uh, different places and, and beautiful places that you get to uh, to visit that otherwise you, you you might not get to go visit. So there's there's got to be some perks, mate, aren't there? There's got to be some perks. Yeah. And and you know what? Like it's funny, you know, when you, yeah, when you talk to people about touring stuff, they're always like, oh, it must be great seeing the world. And it's like, well, to be honest, I'm seeing the inside of a bar mm. most of the time, like, because, you know, we're in venues every day. It's venues or driving to a venue. So, yeah, it's good mm. to have a hobby like this because yeah, that's yeah. where you're going to be stuck a lot of the time. Yeah. You might, <laughs> might as well enjoy it whilst you sat there rather than just be oh, God, I hate being here. But uh, you're brilliant. Yeah. Send me there. Just where are we going? Yeah. yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one, one of the things that I was going to sort of try and tie together, Ash, um, between mm. sort of music and, writing and, and beer writing for me is obviously the sort of the creativity and sort of the sort of links and the parallels between it and just how how the sort of creativity sort of strikes you as a as a musician and, and a drummer in terms of like I don't know if it's the same for, for you as it is for me with, with beer writing is that if I sit and try and write something or think about something or put too much on it then it's just like I just you know hit a wall and for mm. me, the ideas are, you know, oh, that's that would be pretty cool. Sort of comes to me when I'm just doing something completely, you know, when I'm at work or when I'm, you know, playing Xbox or what have you, and I'm just completely switched off and I'm letting sort of things run around in my mind and sort of ideas just accidentally mm. match together. You know, they oh, they come to like, you know, like this in a way. You know, it's like how yeah. how can how can this work? And then just thinking about how can we tie it together? And obviously, this has worked, you know, beautifully. You know, yeah. and then just yeah, little things like that. So. I know, and obviously you can write music, you know, with sheet music and things like that. But how 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 does it all sort of come together for you as a musician? We are creativity, and you you're writing, you know, you're drumming and things. When 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 do you find that you you're the most creative? Um, gee, that's yeah, it's it's a big question, isn't it? Um, mm. I I think, and I don't want to sell my fellow drummers short, but for me personally, I find it a bit harder to be creative just by myself on the mm. drums. Um, there's, there's a fairly limited palette mm -hmm. to draw from. Um, and there's, there's sort of limited things you can do with it. Like you've got the same, you know, however many things you get to hit, that's how many sounds you have. Mm. Um, and you know, you, you can't necessarily like hold a note, like a, a guitarist or a keyboardist can or something like that. It's all yeah. like impacts. Mm -hmm. So your, your creativity comes from uh, how you're structuring a bunch of impacts in time, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you have fewer things to do that compared to other musicians who have more notes and mm -hmm. can play notes at the same time and can hold notes for different durations and things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, don't doubt there are some parallels for drums, but I, I feel like at least for me personally, I don't feel as creative. So for me, it's about people getting together. Mm. I, I find, you know, it's 
with before Voyager, most of the writing I would do was with people in a jam room. Yeah. And we would just sit there noodling on our instruments, mm-hmm. trying things with each other, jamming until something happened. And then you go, that sounds interesting. Let's follow that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my understanding is like before I came to Voyager, they didn't do as much of that. Mm-hmm. And because of my, my background, part of, I guess, what I bought to it was we would jam a lot more in the rehearsal room. And that's where a lot of songs would come from. Mm-hmm. And so for like the two album, the two first albums I was on, V and uh, Ghost Mile, that's how a lot of the songs were written. Mm-hmm. Um, but during COVID, we didn't rehearse as much, but we were, we were writing a lot and we were doing it completely differently. We were all sitting in a room without our instruments in front of a computer. Mm-hmm. Well, there were instruments there. There were no drums there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but we were essentially almost kind of like writing at one instrument at a time. So someone would bring an idea, we'd listen to it. I'd sit with my laptop and program a drum beat. Only one guitarist or ba- like or bassist or something could be plugged into the computer at another time, writing a part for it. Mm. Um, so that forced us all to listen to, to what we each person was doing a lot more than we usually would. Yeah. And that was a completely different way of looking at it. Um, and that yielded completely different results, but it didn't, it, it was a, a different kind of creativity, I think. We ended up with a much leaner kind of album. So um, yeah, to yeah, I guess to answer your question, for me, the, the creativity comes in interacting with other people, for me personally, anyway, mm. at least in a musical sense. Yeah. Um, you know, my my design stuff's completely different. I'd much rather be by myself late at night in a dark room, and that's where the, the ideas come from. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, mus- musically, I think it's about the interplay of different people, mm. and especially in a band like Voyager, we all have pretty different like influences and musical backgrounds. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, us all writing together creates something really interesting and eclectic, I think. Mm. And that's, yeah, yeah. that's a product of the fact that we're all coming at it completely differently. Well, that's it. So, <laughs> that, you know, coming from obviously with me with no musical background or information or knowledge whatsoever, I was kind of like that. It's like, you know, like you say, a guitarist, you know, plenty of notes and things you can do with like, obviously things you can do to change your sound and things, but then drums yeah. are like, you know, it, you know, do you really get different notes with drums and things like you say? You've only got a finite amount of things that you can hit. You know, you can't have all these like massive amounts of, you know, drums and things surrounding you. So it's like, you know, but I suppose, like you say, once you kind of feel the, you know, the general vibe or, or, you know, the energy from, you know, like a certain riff or something on a guitar or whatever, you can kind of feel that and then just kind of, you know, do, do your own thing, I suppose, can't you? Then it's just a kind of just a bit more free flowing in, in a way, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some very creative drummers out there who are mm. experimenting oh, a lot with, um, like, miking techniques and effects pedals and electronics mm. and stuff. And it's it's you know, some of that stuff is close to being a one man band now, which is yeah. incredible. Drummers like Dan Mayo and um, Eric Improto are just incredible for that. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I'm much more kind of, uh, I don't want to say old school, but I just my background's like grunge, rock, blues. So for mm. <laughs> me, it's sitting behind a kit and smashing it until something happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just making making some noise yeah yeah (laughs) oh dear i I don't know how this came about but your creativity ended up finding you um shortlisted to represent australia in the in the eurovision ash which was uh you know quite a a big thing for you guys and a a big big thing for you know rock and progressive rock and all this sort of thing as a whole so how how did that all all come about where where did where did you even find yourselves being nominated or auditioning for, for Eurovision? I don't know, man. Fans had said for years that we'd be great for Eurovision. Mm. Um, and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, probably that'd be fun. That'd be great. And then, you know, was it five to seven years ago, all of a sudden Australia's part of Eurovision? Mm. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. whoa, okay, this is a thing. <laughs> um, 
I think as soon as that was announced, we were like, you know, starting hashtags and putting stuff on social media saying mm. like, send us to Eurovision. This is great. We'll do it. Mm. Um, and we, we really haven't stopped plugging it since. Um, so we just, we kept writing stuff. We kept sending things in initially, like the first couple of times Australia was in, they were just selecting someone and sending them like a lot of countries do. Yeah, um, yeah. and then it, then it turned into like a competition, you know, like a little, a mini idol type thing, I guess, where they had a songwriting portal where you could submit songs. So we just started submitting them. Um, mm. yeah, the first time we did, we submitted one of our songs and it got, it did get shortlisted for like the top 20. It wasn't enough to go to the finals, but mm. we got that mentioned and we're like, okay, that was cool. Well, we'll do it again next time. And yeah, that time we got in top 10 and went and did the live television show. And that close. Yeah. That close. <laughs> Three points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Obviously, I know that obviously it was, it was Dreamer that you, um, yeah. it wasn't it? Yeah. And obviously I wanted to mention it, but then it was like, is, is it, a, is it a sore subject? I don't want to sort of <laughs> no, bring, no. bring up, bring up, bring up old, uh, old wounds, but I suppose it's a, it's a cool journey again, that you might not have ever thought would have happened and just, you know, just go on with the flow a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I had a great time. I'd never really done much TV before or anything like that, but just it was, yeah, it was, it was just a lot of fun. It was a completely different mm. experience. Um, yeah, everyone was really receptive. You know, the support we got from the general public was completely unexpected and mind-blowing. Like, mm. you know, we, we smashed the people's vote entirely. It was only because of the jury we didn't get through. And mm. just, yeah, I'd, I've never... You, you, you do a lot like with the kind of music we make which is i guess somewhat niche you know progressive synth pop mm. metal on a french label you know? like <laughs> you, you always feel like you're on the outside and you're playing to like a fairly small audience so you, yeah. you never expect you, you never expect people to even hear you let alone mm. enjoy what you're doing so having that experience where like people are hearing and going wow we like this we'd never listened to this but we like it and just mm. people even knowing about it was yeah it was amazing <laughs> And we got to do it. We got to do a dream of beer as well. Like I mentioned at the start, so that was mm. cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose it was great exposure for for the band, wasn't it? Really, that it got you mm. out to more people that that otherwise probably wouldn't have heard of you. Because then it's like they just hear that one song, then it's like, oh, these you know these guys are pretty cool, and then find it, and then listen to it, and open open doors. And it's obviously different demographics in different countries but the whole you know your I, I I love Eurovision, but I like listening to it for the for the purely for the rock and the metal artists yeah. that go there and obviously the you know you, you you finland and places like that they always seem to have a rock or a metal representative yeah. and i always sort of seem to and italy that won uh last year year before with yeah uh, manaskin yeah. yeah yeah so yeah you know it's becoming more of a thing now you know i think yeah. i think lord lordy kicked it off sort of early thousands didn't they with their hard rock hallelujah you know the crazy crazy guys from yeah. lordy but then it's oh, also just sort fun. of stemmed from there so i mean is, is it a thing that you can 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 you guys go forward for it again then can you can you resubmit and reapply or what's the well technically this year is the last year that australia is in it oh really all right okay. yeah according to the original contract so whether they sort something else out and you know sign up again for another five to ten years we're not sure mm. um they're also not doing the uh like live f- final thing anymore like they're not doing the competition they're basically just going to pick someone and send them Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a very different year. Mm. Doesn't mean we're not pushing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still go for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to try. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that'd be. Um, I know there's obviously the whole. Well, Australia's not in Europe, but no, but it's sort of like an outside. You know, technically, UK is not in Europe now, anyway. So do you know what I mean? We we might <laughs> we we might find ourselves kicked out of it. Do you know what I mean? So we could end up being uh, being exactly the same. But I think yeah. I think it'd be really funny, right? Because you know, UK has it because the Ukraine can't host, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
if Australia gets in and wins it, I'm pretty sure there's an agreement that the UK has to host it. Right, okay. So I'm really hoping that someone from Australia wins it this time so you guys have to host it twice, even twice. though you didn't win it twice. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. It's the only time we will host it because, I mean, I mean, yeah. we were, I mean, you know, for obvious reasons, Ukraine were always going to win, you know, yeah. you know, but then for UK to be so close and then it's like the best chance we've had in years, you know what I mean? And it was the like, best entry you'd had in forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Yeah, but, you know, you can understand why Ukraine won, but we are hosting it and we're, I think, I think yeah. Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool one of the short yeah. is, is that where it's going to be but yeah it's, I think that's uh, where it is yeah yeah we're um I mean me and Anna are definitely going to try and go because we uh, we watch it every year so I know it's not everyone's nice. cup of tea and it's not you know it's all sham voting and very political and what have you but I think it'd be cool to be part of it you know go watch it and be a crowd and yeah I think it'd be a pretty cool experience so you never you, you might be there you never know you never, never know, know. I, yeah, yeah. I, gosh that'd be amazing <laughs> that'd be it's cool. much maligned Eurovision I find a lot of the time like ah, it's, you know it's weird competition not real music i'm like it's something but this you know to, to write a song that gets your attention only in three minutes mm. really hard yeah yeah <laughs> like we struggle man dreamer was like almost five minutes the original version we had to cut mm. two minutes of that song out yeah. it's, it's a very difficult task yeah 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 that's it i suppose when you ask again when you sort of pigeonhole in that you know you think right we have to write this i suppose that just becomes a challenge rather than just having well we've done this and we've put it together and then no it has to be that it has to meet this criteria it's like oh crap yeah just yeah 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 but as they often say you know you limit limitations or necessity it's the mother of invention nothing helps creativity like putting a limitation on it somewhere yeah, yeah. yeah very true very true um but that that pretty much brings us to to the end of uh, what what i had for us us to talk about ash so um what a I lovely we'll, chat yeah it's, it's been it's been really nice thank you i've uh you know i must when when, when you guys first messaged saying, you know, if, if you ever need, you know, I want a guest, let us know. I was like, nah, this this can't be right. You know, this can't be right. But it's been, <laughs> you know, then they, they signed you up and it, it's been great, mate. It's been great. And I'd, um, if you're ever about, I'd um, I'd love to do this again. And certainly if you're in, you know, in the UK again, anytime soon, yeah. it'd be, you know, do it in person. You know, we'll, we'll go, you know, go find a pub or a brewery and go do it in person. That'd be, well, that that'd be nice. amazing. Yeah, we'd, we can... Like I say, especially if you're in Leeds, you know, I'm just on the outskirts. So if you're in Leeds, definitely, definitely. So that'd be awesome. Well, yeah. pending some unforeseen other global catastrophe, um, I think next year is a very safe bet for us. Yeah. So. Excellent. Well, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll keep my eyes and ears pe- peeled and ears to the ground and, and look, look forward to it, mate. But uh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. For very, very quickly before before we do end, if people want to find out anything about, about yourself and Voyager, um, where, where can people find you? Oh, you know, all the usual channels. Uh, we got our you know, Voyager Facebook, uh, got our Voyager Instagram. Look up either Voyager AU or Voyager Australia because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of Voyagers out there, <laughs> most of them spacecraft. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Instagram, Facebook are great places to check us out um, and come and say hi. We're pretty active on the social channels, so yeah. chances are you'll be talking to one of us. Yeah, yeah, cool. Right, well, Ash, thank you very much. I'll uh, I look forward to speaking again in the future, but thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. I'll... Um... I'll speak to you very soon. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great. No, you're very welcome. Cheers, mate. Thank you.